Hello and welcome! We are back with another episode of Women of Illustration. The place to help my fellow lady illustrators get paid. That's the whole fucking point, right? And today we're hanging out with a very cool artist, someone that I've, it's been a huge inspiration for me personally, and that's Jenna Blazevich. She is amazing Chicago-paced designer. She has a very unique aesthetic, guys, but I'm going to let her talk and tell you all about this amazing woman because today our focus it's going to be something that's going to, uh, I think it's going to be a little helpful. I think it's going to be good. Uh, pretty much figuring out how do you choose your audience to sell to. And, but you also want to make sure that it represents a piece of who you are because that's the artist struggle. You want to be true to yourself. You want to be authentic. But how do you do that? And how do you reach people who are just like you, like friends on the internet? Right? So welcome, Jenna. So excited to have you here. Hey, um, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk about all those things um, with you. And... Uh, yeah, I am a Chicago-based letterer, and I guess lettering is the only thing that links my work together. Um, I work in a lot of different mediums, but it's all linked together with hand lettering. So very um, specific kind of illustration, I guess, in that way, but try to um, work in a range of styles um, at all times. So <laughs> it's like I do lettering, but I also do everything else. <laughs> I love that. Um, so how would you say, like, uh, like how do you make some money with that, with that hand lettering of yours? Well, I started my business, Bitchcraft, um, just as a service-based design company um, back in the beginning of 2015. Mm-hmm. And I was focusing on doing lettering for logo types and working on branding for um, mostly small businesses and some nonprofits. And it wasn't until I was running the business for about six months that I even thought about making any products. So I was making money initially from just using design as a service for other people's sort of creative directing what I was doing. But then um, shortly after that, I started to um, kind of dabble in like being my own creative director and working on making some products, which my aim with doing that was I really didn't want to be typecast as a certain kind of letter um, mm. by means of like only being uh, hired to do maybe just only script logo types and then being known as the girl who just does script logo types. And I, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to, to make some things to wear like patches. And that was sort of starting to be um, a thing that I, a couple of my friends were, were working with was like kind of pins and patches. And I, um, was able to use that as a an outlet for me to keep my design styles fresh and different because um, I was able to decide for myself what kind of styles I was going to work in and not just be told by a client that like this is what we need again because I'm sure you've seen <laughs> yeah there's a lot of designers you can think of that like kind of had their style um, kind of molded for them by only you know getting hired to do things that were pretty much the same as what they'd already done which I understand like get that money but if it was possible for me to come come up with a way to um, kind of decide what my styles were going to be for myself, that was that was kind of my aim with that. Yeah, for sure. Like you quite literally get typecasted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just realized that. No, like I, uh, you know, as a like a fellow hand lettering artist, I think in the beginning when lettering was becoming really popular, there were certain people that you would only go to them to hire them because of that certain script logo type yeah. or because of that Victorian vintage logo type. And it's so interesting to see how much it's grown, obviously through 
the thousands of people that are in it today. Um, what year, again, did you start doing hand lettering? Well, I started doing hand lettering probably in 2012. That was when I took a calligraphy workshop and kind of had the shift of focus into wanting to practice it enough to be um, actually hireable. But I started Bitchcraft in 2015. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we started about the same time. Yeah. I don't know about you, but what was that process like learning lettering? Because like, I remember Googling it and not finding like anything. <laughs> yeah. It was like pretty much just Jessica Hish. And then maybe I had like a Doyle Young book and that was about it. But it was not um, a thing that had, I mean, obviously not even remotely close to a community on, on the internet that it does today. Um, but my focus at the beginning was um, pointed pen calligraphy. And I, mm. um, I was in graphic design school at the time of me kind of like going um, on my own with trying to um, teach myself lettering. But I think because I was in graphic design school at the time, it was like inevitable that those kinds of um, skill sets and tools were going to intertwine, which is basically like what led me into crafting lettering for logos and and doing that both for like freelance and then um, in most of my agency roles. Um, Mm. So... Yeah, it started with calligraphy, and then that's sort of what led me into like continuing to um, use words as my uh, like focus like medium. Yeah. yeah, no, calligraphy is such a great way to get started. I wish I would have done it that way. It probably <laughs> would have been easier. Um, I actually have so much respect for calligraphy artists because it's like one stroke, one pressure. Yeah. Versus like you know, this is before iPads. This is for for drawing digitally, unless you you were able to afford a Cintiq, which was like thousands of fucking dollars <laughs> compared to like eight ninety nine iPad. Um, it was a little bit different of a price, but being able to work traditionally, I feel like you get such a better sense of like the weight of the letters and how to evoke a sense of I don't know a little bit more of like design psychology through that letter. And when you go to school, like you don't learn lettering, like you learn typography. But it's a totally different world. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, totally. It was completely different than anything that I've I've done with Bitchcraft at all. Like almost yeah. it was the inspiration for me not doing what they were teaching me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't fucking learn lettering. And I spent like 100 grand in my fucking education. Why and did we do that? I don't know. Um, it's funny because I actually taught hand lettering at a local art college. So it's like it's nice to see that lettering is becoming more of a norm in like illustration programs. Mm-hmm. That's actually really cool. <laughs> I really love that. So yeah. like, hey, if anyone else wants a... Uh, you know, me or any other big hand lettering artist to teach your school, just ask us. We'd probably be down. <laughs> like, let us spread the love, man. That would be great. <laughs> so you came from an agency experience and you went to design school. So how do you think that like better prepared you for your role that you have now being a full-time artist? Um, well, I, when I was in school for my undergrad, um, I initially studied uh, fashion design and then I changed my major to graphic design. And when I changed, I had to start over um, as a freshman. So my, oh. uh, in total, like my undergrad took me six years. And oh. yeah, it sucks. And it's very <laughs> expensive. And so, but the, the school that I went to initially um, required you to do five paid internships, ideally paid, but, uh, you know, wow. because the economy crashed right when I graduated <laughs> high school, a lot of us had to do unpaid internships. But the the um, the focus was so that when you graduated from that program, um, that you would have real life experience on your resume and you'd be very hireable. But mm-hmm. so I, I dropped out of that school because I wanted to study graphic design. But that, um, that 
mentality definitely stayed with me, even though I wasn't required to do any internships at the school that I went to for graphic design. Mm -hmm. I um, self-initiated a bunch of them. And so while I was there, I worked at six internships um, while I was studying graphic design. And those, some of those were agencies and some of those were, one was like a small stationary company. One was this company where I was designing um, tech flats for scrubs. Um, what, for, wait, what, what is that? Tech, tech flaps? Yeah, it's like, um, it's a, it's, it, it was kind of cool because it was a combination of my experience with fashion design. Um, we were making the pattern flats, like the technical flats um, for a garment that's going to be cut and sewn. And oh. so, but because I was, I was actually, I had just left fashion school to take, uh, to, it was the summer in between fashion and graphic design. So I was able to combine like my very preliminary knowledge of illustrator to like design these things in illustrator, but I also had pattern making and clothing construction experience as well. So I was like a really perfect candidate for a job that I <laughs> did for a travel stipend. Um, no money, but that's interesting. Travel you know stipend. how it was. Right. Yeah. They were like, you need, to, you need to get to us in this very far away neighborhood. So here's some money to get there. But then we're not going to pay you any money <laughs> to do this it. job. Just so, for gas. It's all that you're worth. It's so Jeez. messed up. But um, all that is to say, I uh, was juggling a bunch of different things. Cause at this time I was also, um, trying to dabble in calligraphy and give myself um, projects that were personal projects that were going to help me better my craft. So some of those were like proposing to my boyfriend's sister, like a project where I'm like, oh, I can make this thing for your bridal shower. Like, can I design the invitations and just sort of get better at using hand lettering for something um, actual, tan like actually tangible. Yeah. Um, but so all those things put together equals I was developing very good time management skills and yeah. um, because there's, it was a lot of things at once and um, also just the ability to hold myself accountable um, with projects that either they didn't have a real deadline or the deadline was like kind of I made it up for myself because I wanted to finish this project in, in time to submit it to some competition with design sponge or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it wasn't so much the experience of being at the agencies or at those actual jobs but um I guess just yeah the the, um, the juggling the yeah. juggling which is very much what you need to do when you're running a one-person business fuck so. yes you do oh my god like <laughs> I don't know about you but I just took like two weeks off to go visit Michigan because I'm thinking because oh, I'm gonna be moving there in the summer to go to a small town and oh, yeah, we're gonna said. Yeah, we're going to create a creative uh, residency program over there. It's going to take a while, but the idea is to buy a fucking building because oh. it's, you know, it's how much you could buy it for like 250 grand and that's how much most houses here cost yeah. in Portland and you get like a shithole plot and there's no land. So it's like, all right, there's some options here. And because I took this break, I, ugh, I made the mistake of uh, thinking I could just cram in like double the amount of meetings, double the amount of client work when I got back oh, no. and I wanted to die. <laughs> like, no. I literally was like, recording because I have this other podcast called My Secret Art Diary that I have for my letter shop account. Mm -hmm. And I just like literally just was like, uh, for like 60 minutes complaining on this thing. And yeah. it's. And it's like you're always learning that time-life balance, but it's so important, especially I feel like when you're getting into the field, especially doing your own thing, that you have a better sense of that, that you can thrive in chaos because either life's going to throw some weird pitches at you or, of course, it's either you have too much client work or not enough. 
Yeah. So, and then you still have to like post on Instagram and, you know, if you were doing products, still be able to ship those out to customers and it, it just gets crazier and crazier. So that's, a, I think that's a pretty good uh, crossover from yeah. agency life and having all those internships. That's crazy, by the way, that you had to do that many pay, uh, unpaid internships, but hey, you switched, you switched schools. So that's good. It sucks. <laughs> it's bad. And it's definitely a problem that I contributed to. I think about that a lot. Um, because you're perpetuating the problem if you do take those jobs, if you're like in a, a position of privilege where you can work for no compensation, you are a very like specific part of the, um, like our, our generation of people who are looking for work and mm-hmm. it just, it's exploitative and it, it, it keeps the problem um, happening. But also at the same time, it's one of those things where like, if, if a big company reaches out to me and is like, Oh, we want to hire you to do some, or they wouldn't say hire. They'd be like, we want to collaborate with you. Collaborate. The fucking word. (laughs) And then they'd be like, oh, well, we would hope that you would do it for exposure, blah, blah, blah. And I'm definitely against doing those jobs, but I know that they will reach out to someone in Mm -hmm. the five minutes after my email gets sent out to them. And it's like, no, thanks. I, I can't be doing unpaid work, but there are definitely people that will. And um, it keeps the problem happening, but yeah, when all those yeah. jobs, yeah, Go ahead, such sorry. a such a huge topic. Working for exposure, I think there's I think there's definitely a place for it. I think you know if, when you're like a little baby designer and you've never done anything, I think it's fine to do free work. But what I think the difference is, it's like, hey, I would have charged you three thousand dollars for this project, but since I don't really have never done this with a client before, I'm willing to give it to you for. A hundred percent off discount. Yeah, but you still give them a proposal. You still have a fucking contract because people that you do free shit for tend to want to rape you harder. Yeah, in my experience. They're like, oh, so I want you to work for free, and we also want you to pick up my call at two in the morning, and also five thousand revisions, and I need it done yesterday. It's like yeah. fuck you. And of course, the second you're like waiting for feedback, they decide to take two weeks to respond. Yeah, exactly. It's the worst. So yeah. That's, I always thought that's kind of like a, a, a way to do those projects if you feel like you need the experience. But for the most part, just say no. Yeah. Just say no. Let them go to Craigslist. Let them go to another designer who really needs that experience. But if that's if you're not in that spot anymore, you got experience, fuck it. Like, yeah. wait for the next client to roll around because another client will come. Yeah. Um, all right. So 2012, you just got started doing calligraphy. You are, you know, you started out doing services like uh, hand-lettered logos and then eventually products. But at what point did things start to take off for you as an illustrator? Because in my eyes, you're kind of a big deal. (laughs) Um, I don't have that uh, mindset about myself because I don't. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Well, yeah, I just, there have been so many different um, things that I've done under the name Bitchcraft that like, I feel like. I'm actually a little bit confusing to people um, in the number of ways that they could have found out about my business because mm-hmm. there's, I realize there's definitely people who like got a shirt for Christmas that says girls to the front from someone who is a supporter of my work. And then that person gets it and they're like, okay, Bitchcraft is a shirt store. And then there are people who, you know, like went to a store and liked the logo and like picked up a card and inquired about who made it and they were like oh bitchcraft made this logo bitchcraft makes logos or there's people who like see a chain stitch jacket and want to know where it got stitched from and then they find out about my work that way and i realized that it's a little bit uh confusing for someone who's learning about 
my business maybe within the last um, few months to a year because I also have a new storefront space in Chicago, but I'm it's not a store. It's like it's for events and it's for people can come and shop and, and um, get things made uh, by appointment, but that's continuing to be confusing. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'm saying that I have like um, dabbled in so many different applications that I never really had the focus of like, okay, I'm going to really hunker down on this idea and this concept and I'm going to like work on scaling this idea and then hopefully it'll take off by like trying to get press and trying to get people with influence to like support it. Um, it's always kind of like, I'm doing a little bit of this and I'm doing a little bit of that. Sometimes people are interested in this thing, but I'm also like, but look over here. I also made this stained glass. And so it's, it's honestly, it's hard because um, there was this moment when I was asked to do a creative mornings talk within, it was like at the one year mark of running, of, of running my business. And that was really flattering and, um, humbling and very like, uh, exciting, um, that that was something that I was looked to do at, uh, like only after running my business for such a short period of time. But that was around the time that most of what I was doing, um, as Vitchcraft was was doing service-based design. So I talked about some things that are, are definitely relevant to the way that I run my business now, but um, it was like kind of a different, it was a totally different era compared to like the, the um, arenas that I've kind of like contributed to um, with, with my work like ever since. But things like that were, were like moments where I um, felt like things were, um, like I was uh, being rewarded for the work that I was putting in and just trying to be like consistent with um, like putting out good work. And um, then sometimes there will be those opportunities or like feedback that comes about that, that like had led me to believe that I was doing the right thing. But I don't know, the grad, the gradual growth of my business has been like, so um, manageable. I guess <laughs> that's good that that's I good. there was never like a moment where I'm like oh my god this celebrity is like wearing a thing that I made and now I'm I have all this like all these visits to my site and it crashed and I have I don't have any people that I I could hire to like help fulfill these orders it's there's never been something like wild like that where I was like things really got nuts on this particular day but oh, so you haven't had that moment that viral moment yet no, there's been like small, smaller things, um, but my work and like the sentiments that I choose to work around are so specific to a certain kind of person um, that like there are, there are definitely gratifying moments when someone who's like super into it um, is very like enthusiastic and um, supportive, and those are like obviously the moments that I'm I'm re- reminded of what I'm what I'm doing and why, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's not I. I can't think of like one where I was like. No, yeah, is... you, no. I feel you. Like, that's so interesting to hear. Like when people ask me that question, which has been having a lot happening in the happening a lot lately, is products. Is like it's always the same thing. Products. Like I either a I I have like these different series of things. Like I started out being a hand lettered logo designer, really similar to your story, and then I pivoted to just doing hand lettering because I honestly couldn't look at two words for three weeks anymore. I found yeah. it incredibly boring. Um, and then I got more decorative, and then I was still in that. And our styles are really similar, I think, at a time because I was like only black and white. 
Yeah. I, mostly because I was terrified of color. Like, I could not figure that shit out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually I just realized, oh, to steal other people's color palettes. That's what you do, right? <laughs> um, and now I have my own consistent color palette that I use in all my work. But it wasn't until I went ahead and I f- focused on subject matters. And that's something that you touched on, that it was the subjects that you created in your work that attract a very specific audience. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, what are the subjects that you're most drawn to to create with your work? Um... At this point, my the things that I am um, able to like creative direct myself with products, mm-hmm. um, I choose to speak on uh, topics like uh, racial equality, intersectional feminism, um, environmental sustainability, and I, yeah, I it was definitely something that I was able to um, be. Able, I was able to approach it differently than like a company that has a lot of people or a lot of um, gears that need to work together in order to like get a product out there or get an idea out there because I'm a one person mm-hmm. business. So yeah. if there's something that like I genuinely care about um, or I'm genuinely really frustrated by and I want to create work on that subject in order to make a print that raises money for an organization that's um, doing real impactful work like within that um, area of social justice, I can do that like that day. And Mm -hmm. that is a a powerful aspect of what the internet and being able to make products in an era when like you can put it out and even just as a pre-order super quickly and get it in front of a bunch of people. But Mm -hmm. it's also really um, intimidating uh, part of running a one-person business because if I ever were to um, create something or say something that was uninformed and not something that I could stand behind in the future, um, that stuff exists and it's something that like that that is where the advantage comes in of having a multiple-person um, company or having like uh, people out uh, around you that need to like approve of whatever this thing is before it goes to print or like look over the copy. It's like if if I'm, if I'm frustrated by like the latest school shooting and I'm like, fuck this, Mm. I want to make this work around, you know, bullets and Chicago. And I want to put it on a thing that people can buy as a print and then I can support um, every town or something. Um, If I don't, if I don't make sure that I do the work beforehand to, to, um, make make something that I can stand behind um, indefinitely because the internet exists forever even if you delete stuff, you know? True. <laughs> um, then I could get myself into trouble. And this is, fortunately, I'm not speaking from experience. I have nothing, like, super terrible has gone awry, but it's something that I have to, like, think about For sure, always. especially when you're, you know, doing things, like, on social justice. Yeah. And that's what turned me onto your work the most, I think, it was, like, a few years ago now, where... Especially in lettering, I felt like everyone was just copying each other. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, my God, like, work hard, but, like, stay humble or whatever. Stay harder. Uh, I fucking hate <laughs> all of them. I thought it was so frustrating. But the thing with 
lettering is it's so much more about the message than it is like how perfect your kerning is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And especially, and I keep preaching this to all my coaching students is like, it's all about, is it relatable to a person, not just an artist? Because unless you're, you know, doing educational materials or courses or that kind of things, those people aren't going to pay you anything. They're going to be advocates for your work. They're going to give you social proof on social media and they might buy a couple products, but an everyday person is probably a little bit easier, honestly, to impress. Like you hear this all the time, like, oh, I can't even draw a stick figure, right? Yeah. From like everyday, I call them everyday people. So like normal yeah. consumers, normal. which is artists. So, but when you're able to talk about something bigger than yourself with your work, like for me, it's body positivity, mental health and cannabis. And for you, like you said, it's intersectional feminism, which I feel like I wish more people included instead of it just being like feminist pink t-shirts everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it almost seems like people are doing it for the wrong reasons to make money. You were actually one of the first artists that I knew that was doing feminist statement work and it seemed honest and authentic. And I really, really fucking appreciated it. And then like a couple months later, you just see it everywhere. Yeah. It was so like what drew you to go from logo design to doing pretty feminist in statement and social justice work? Like what was the trigger? It's just like what I care about as a person. And if I'm going to use lettering to say anything, it's things that I'm saying in my life with my um friends that I talk to about things that I and they care about and um, I think it's been one of the reasons why I've been able to consistently make work that all like, quote unquote, like goes together is because it's all just mm-hmm. stuff that I genuinely care about that's coming out of my brain. And it's not, I'm not like a Trump era feminist, like <laughs> lettering shop. That's like, oh my God, like fellow nasties. That's like, <laughs> I don't, like I get, I don't, I don't think that those, that those people are, have ill intentions or anything, but I think like, because this was something I was integrating into my work um, much earlier on because there were things that, like, I was already trying to educate myself on and continue to push myself in the direction of learning more and contributing more to hopefully finding, um, you know, so- solutions or ways to change uh, problems that I think are, like, everyday problems. I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was incorporating them into my work um, way early on um, in a way that, like, it was more polarizing than, say, like, someone who's incorporating a feminist sentiment into their work now in 2019. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, this, <laughs> these are all things that, like, are, I don't know. Actually, I guess I kind of live in a, a bubble, but I think for the most part, like, mainstream feminism has changed a lot. Uh, of, in terms of like what is polarizing even to say compared to I don't know like five ten years ago um, and yeah I I re- I guess I like rejected the idea of being like the every person uh, lettering artist by choosing to work on more polarizing sentiments and like having my like debut project as Vitchcraft be made out of bullet casings and be like a really dark commentary on Chicago's uh, issue with um, gun violence. Um, Awesome. I have not seen that project. Oh, really? Yeah. It was, it was like a very intentional choice to go from, you know, using lettering on more, um, yeah, I guess 
what's the like word? Serious topics. Well, to, to I shifted to serious topics because that's what I wanted to do with my business was like mm. actually work on using lettering to say things that matter versus just kind of using it to design a wedding invitation or do um, like a little bit less uh, impactful work. But I did those things so that I could make money and gain experience and get myself into a spot where I could um, be more specific with what I was going to, what I was going to do with my business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Create the kind of work you want to get hired for. Yeah. Boom. And I think a lot of artists feel like even the idea of being an artist, they immediately compromise themselves. They're like, oh, but I could only be hired to do this. It's like, no, bitch. (laughs) Like you can do whatever the fuck you want. Or you You, can, yeah. Yeah. And it's just about putting out what you want to get. And I think, you know, I always say, like, if you want to niche down, you could do it by service. Like, oh, I'm going to be the logo designer queen, or I'm going to be all about apparel design, or you focus on the industry, like food and beverage, um, like the cosmetic industry, so on and so forth, or subject matter. You could do all three, like a crazy person if you want to, and I'm sure it'll work amazing. Um, But subjects, I think, are my favorite thing to focus on in your work. Like, if, if you're having a hard time figuring out what services you should offer for clients, what products you should make, try to figure out what topics are important to you. Like, as a person, it doesn't have to be something polarizing. It doesn't have to be political. It could be something funny. It can be about your life as an introvert and how you haven't left the couch in three days. Yeah. It can be about, you know, body positivity, which is still, you know, pretty political. And honestly, more people could talk about it. Same thing with mental health. Or it could be about your favorite stand-up comedians. Like, it doesn't have to be one side or the other. It just has to be yours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's, so it sounds very simple on paper. And it, it does, doesn't it? It is, <laughs> and it, but it is simple, but it's it's hard because it's like in order to make that actually a real part of your work, you probably have to do twice the amount of work some of the time. Like mm-hmm. if you were earning money to pay rent by designing a pest control bro- brochure, which I did. Um, <laughs> it's like you, it's an oddly specific example. <laughs> you also need to, I answered a Craigslist ad. But you also done that. need to um, carve out the time to do something self-initiated that is aligned with, like, what you care about as a person so that, like, what that era has is, like, something you could put into a portfolio that, you can, that you're proud of and you can stand behind. Because, like, mm-hmm. everyone is making work that they don't want to put in their portfolio. It's fine. We all have to make money and actually, like, keep the wheels turning. But um, you have to also, if you want to find the ability to be hired to do work um, that you, that like reflects what you care about as a person, you might have to be initiating those projects yourself for a little while until you have a portfolio full of them. um, And then clients who are aligned with your views and um, want to hire you for stuff like that will find you because they'll they'll be like, oh, there's this work that exists. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what you do. Yeah. You create the kind of work you want, you wish existed, whether it's for client work or it's personal work, you want to make products or whatever. You post it consistently. You make sure it's relatable to a specific audience. And the easy part is if it's relatable to you, it's going to be relatable to another person. Yeah. But where we enter this like imposter syndrome, fraud syndrome is when those ideas aren't yours and you're just stealing them or you're just like rephrasing other people's content. That's when we kind of get into some like icky black hole. <laughs> oh, yeah. But if it's from you and like, again, if it you could take a phrase, interpret it as your own, as long as it's your truth, I think that's fine. Um, 
but technically there, there's a, a weird wiggle room. Like fra- short phrases technically don't have copyright unless they remind you of like a movie or a song or something that you could go to court in. But at the same time, like, do you want to take that chance? Like, do you want to have to go to court and fight that out if you just stole that other artist's popular phrase? Yeah. So it's like something you'd be careful of. So with all this being said, like you, let's see, let's look at this gram over here. All right. So you, you're at 32,000 followers right now on Instagram. Bravo, my love. <laughs> killing it um so did you have like a certain content like content strategy for gaining those followings like how how did you get here um I think so I don't remember when actually I do I do remember when because I can picture what apartment I was in when I was reading it (laughs) um but that book show your work uh hang on Mm -hmm. who wrote it Austin Austin yeah yeah um yeah someone gifted it to me I think like maybe the year before I graduated or the year that I did. Um, and there's a lot of, um, quick, helpful, actionable tips. And one of them is just like post on your social media, um, platform of choice every day. And it doesn't have to be everywhere and you don't have to do like Behance dribble. Like (laughs) no one really actually Behance is not a good example, but Twitter. (laughs) I was like, I have a Behance, but I have not used it in years. Maybe there is like a messaging like app within Behance because every fucking social media like or you know portfolio platform is just so weird and like tricked out these days. They're all like (laughs) becoming like LinkedIn. But anyways, um, the tip is just like pick one and do it all you know every day consistently. Um, And I chose Instagram because. I, well, actually I didn't, so I, it took me a long time to get a smartphone. And, um, once I did get one, um, I, I think I was still posting on Tumblr. Um, but not, I didn't have a following there at all, but it was just kind of an accountability tool for me. Um, this was pre bitchcraft, but, um, already kind of like the mindset of like making something new every day, even if it's just like one word that I'm lettering with a Sharpie, just like keep keep the practice um, consistent and hold myself accountable by posting something every day. And so then when I got a smartphone, I posted stuff on Instagram that way. Some, sometimes it wasn't like work that I was making, but maybe something that was inspiring. And it was, it was like 2013 kind of Instagram style, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that worked for a while, just worked in the sense that it was like accountability tool for me. But, um, I never, I would have, I never would have thought that it was going to be such a, um, uh, important tool in my business, like growing, uh, over the last few years, but, um, definitely posting every day used to be the, uh, I guess tip I would give people. But now with the algorithm being so different, I don't even think, I think that the ability to like use Instagram in that way. And, um, I, I think it kind of, peaked in its like importance when a, a young designer is starting out or a young illustrator is starting out. Um, cause it's just so, I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of playing the game that they've set forth for us now and having to like hype up things and be like, just like encourage people to comment on it by asking a question. Like I get it. And I, I certainly do not like feel like the people who are playing that game are, are bad in any way. I'm like, you do you, and this is how it has to be. Um, but it feels disingenuous or it feels, uh, for me, like not something coming from like a actual 
um, real place. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so it's tough. Um, I think nowadays I just use my Instagram uh, really differently, and I'm very infrequently posting things to my actual feed, which I know affects how often people are seeing it, even when I do post. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how many of those thirty thousand are bots. I don't know <laughs> how to access more than like seven percent of them. <laughs> That's um, pretty good, actually. Seven percent of an engagement rate. Seven, but 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 yeah, it's it sucks because I used to be able to use Instagram as a tool. Like if I wanted to go to a new city and teach a calligraphy workshop, it was chronological. So like if I posted that I was going to teach a workshop in San Diego, a calligraphy workshop, um, eventually it would show up in that person's feed if they were based in or around San Diego. But now it's so specific to like who has consistently engaged with my my um, Instagram in the past. And probably, I don't know, 80% of those people are in Chicago. So it's fine because this is a really big city and there's plenty of things to do and plenty of connections to make through um, Instagram. But um, it just used to be such a different tool. And now it's sort of, I if you're going to work with, you have to work with the way that it kind of uh, yeah, works now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, so as someone who, like, teach social media pretty often to artists, like, I definitely went through the phase of, like, fuck this algorithm, fuck you, like, this. I was just, like, so pissed. I made, like, this gif. And, of course, it did well because everyone's like, I fucking hate the algorithm, too. Yeah. And then I realized, after much dismay, that it actually does work in your favor if you're not doing events. Events is for sure, like, a fuck you because of the chronological system. Yeah. All those stories is still chronological, so yeah. that's good. But what, honestly, what any social media algorithm is going to do is it's only going to show you relevant and consistent content. So whether or not you only can post three times a week, that's fine. But as long as you keep posting three times a week, if Mm. you go, if you have like a bad week, something fucking happens, life happens like it always does. And then you stop, it's going to hurt your engagement. But like, let's say that you are posting every single day and you do that consistently and you go from three to seven and you might notice in just two to three weeks that your engagement goes up. It's just like a video game. It's like, hey, if you use this platform more, we're going to reward you. And hey, we're going to make it really fucking easy in the beginning. So if anyone who's coming into this platform, it's going to be like that freemium video game model. It's going to be easy to level up. It's going to get harder and harder as you have harder and harder uh, fucking bosses. And all of a sudden, an ad will pop up and be like, hey, for just $4.99, you can buy this flaming sword (laughs) that with one strike, you can kill the beast. And that's what native advertising is on Instagram. So it's like that there definitely is a system. Like, I feel that. But I also think that there is a way to break it as long as you, A, have that consistency of strategy, like we were talking about, like subject matter, and then how your posting cadence is what I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just making sure it's relevant. And whether or not sometimes that includes a question, sometimes it does. I know for a lot of artists, it's something simple, like, I don't know what color to use, red or black, please. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's nice to beta test that content or as a promotional tool, if you're creating a new product launch, for example, making that community feel like more involved in the production process Mm -hmm. so that way they're more inclined to buy it when it's available because they feel like they helped make it happen. Yeah. So there's definitely like, if you switch your perspective on it a little bit, I do think it can be helpful, but it's also a horrible tool (laughs) to burn and engrave into your brain that you're not good enough. Yeah, totally. 
So it's, it's like, as a marketer, it's amazing. But as an everyday consumer, it sucks balls. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it, it's such a hard gray area. But I, I think it's interesting, like, in the very beginning, you knew to post every day. I did not know that. I wanted to do that with, like, seeing all these, like, 365 projects and stuff like that. But I, I never got past day five with any mm-hmm. of those fucking things. Every fucking time, day five, I just crash. Because I think you just... You're too consumed with trying to make everything perfect. Yeah. And I'm not trying to give you advice, not that you need my advice or anything like that. No. But your work is seamless. Like, it's vector. It's clean. You have these straight fucking lines. There's geometry involved. You have beautiful filigree in your work. And it has to be hard to create a new piece of content every single day with that level of quality. Yeah. And I think because I... Um, yeah, compared to like when I first started out and it was very experimental and I, I don't, I don't know like who would be following me except people who knew me personally and <laughs> which is like a, a vulnerable feeling of it in itself. Like it's different, but at least you kind of are, um, you're not having to make work that other people who you don't know could kind of look at and be like, Oh, it's kind of off <laughs> like that. And, um, back then it was just kind of like I said, just an accountability tool. And um, that worked in my favor once I, I was starting to um, use Instagram as a business. But I mm-hmm. remember that shift being a little bit confusing because um, I was sure. like Jenna Blazevich. That was my Instagram handle. And then I think it was maybe a few months into running Bitchcrafter, I was like, should I change my name on my Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny thinking back, like, well, why wouldn't I? But yeah, uh, I kind of so felt hard like to make those decisions though. It was just like, tricky. The, a was name like, yeah. is so important, and you could like just struggle just going back and forth for like six months before you make the move. Yeah, I was like, am I going to be confusing people that they're all of a sudden following this <laughs> account they didn't agree to? But uh, again, it was probably just people that knew me personally, and they'd be like, "Yeah, Jenna Blazevich is working. Got she's got yeah. this business now. It's, I got it." We all think that our followers care way they more don't. about us than they actually probably do. They do not. Like everyone's gonna if I don't post for two days, they're gonna say something. Like, yeah, maybe not. But like, there's things like you could always repost stuff, right? With, you know, just to to keep up your consistency. You worked really hard. Like for you, Girls to the Front, I have seen that probably over 20 times. And I never get sick of that shit in my feed. Like, yeah, put on a fucking neon sign. Put it on a fucking motorcycle jacket. (laughs) Put on a fucking holographic sticker. Let's do this. I want that shit everywhere. Um, And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of artists don't think of. Like, to repost stuff or to show it in different products or to take lifestyle shots and actually include themselves in their feed. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of different content out there that exists aside from just, like, the beautiful final static image. Do you use any of those after post things? Like, um, well, that's not the right term, but one where you uh, have your Instagram posts, like, set up and timed? Oh, like a social media scheduler? Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. I use a, I use a program called Later. Fucking everyone needs to use it. Are you not using a social media scheduler? I'm not. I did. um, Save your life. (laughs) I I feel like the one that I used, it might have been later, but I think it was like $20 a month, whatever one I was using, or maybe I, is that true? How much does it cost? I don't remember. I think it's, it's probably less than 20. I could look it up. It's not enough for me to remember how much it costs. Okay. So so that's, that's that's (laughs) same. I used it last year when I went to Southeast Asia for two weeks. And I, it was right around, it was like the, the second Women's March was happening, my Bitchcraft anniversary was happening, and one other thing that was happening, and I wanted to have some posts ready to go and not have to think about using my phone. Also, I wasn't going to have um, data, really, so mm-hmm. 
I used it then and then I just stopped when I got home. But it's something I think about, you know, going back to just to relieve the stress of like being in the middle of my work day and being like, I didn't post today. Or, or like, I know. Yeah, it, not even in just an exclusively negative way, like things I'm excited to share, but can't until I have like a link to my shop set up or things exactly. like that. I can be yeah. like, oh, I'll do that. I'll post that on too. I should do that. I should. No, for sure. Uh, I always have it like, um, so I just recently switched to posting twice a day mm-hmm. um, just because Women of Illustration is past almost 60,000 followers in less than a year. That's amazing. It's insane. What? And it's because we post three times a day. Mm-hmm. And also that's easy because it's not my content. It's just sharing other female-led businesses, right? Yeah. Um, but so we're like, okay, we're le- taking all the things that we're learning from Women of Illustration and how it grew so quickly and that I'm using it for Letter Shop. And it's working really well. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, I was able to grow 10,000 followers in less than a month. Um, so and things are, so it's, it's, again, it's relevancy and consistency. And what's great about later specifically, and they don't sponsor the podcast, although now accepting offers, um, (laughs) it's great. Uh, if you have a business profile, it'll work better. It'll post automatically for you. So you don't have to wake up at like 630 in the morning. If that just happens to be the best time for engagement, it gives you like hashtag suggestions. So that way, you know, you're always using 30 hashtags every time you post just in case you might get on the explore page. Mm -hmm. That's more of like a lottery though, but you won't win the lottery unless you play the lottery. Right. Yeah. Um, and then it helps with caption writing. Like me personally writing on a keyboard, like my thumbs just don't get me. Like I cannot type with my thumbs on my phone. That's why when I DM, I just leave voice messages because I just can't type. It just, well, I feel like an old lady. Like I just cannot figure that shit out. Yeah. Uh, And there's a lot of benefits and also just like seeing the way your grid's going to preview. Oh yeah, that's a good point. So that way you don't have like, you know, for you, you have a lot of black in your work. So that way you don't have these like crazy dark spots in your feed. So you can like balance it out with like lifestyle photos or pencil sketches. That's a little bit lighter on a white background, that kind of thing. It's definitely going to make shit a lot simpler. I'm going <laughs> to go back to doing it. I'm, I'm sure that was the one I was using before. Um, and I must have just been like prideful about it and been like, I can do this myself. I'm oh. back in America. <laughs> like, Oh man. There's no, no need. There's no need. We're co- yeah, work smart, not hard, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's my new thing this year. Get it together. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to talk to you in, like, two months. And, like, um, I hit a 60,000 followers. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll like, be like, I'm, I'm not even doing any work anymore. It's just doing itself. Well, I was at, it was really funny because I was, like, looking at your feed, and I was trying to scroll down all the way to the bottom. And then after, like, 20 minutes, I just gave up. <laughs> there's a lot of trash There's a lot. There. To, so it's, like, you could leave the country for like two months and just repost all your shit and no one would even fucking notice it's true and honestly like i it's it's something i kind of talked about it a little bit earlier but like if i think about someone who just found out about witchcraft this past couple of months or like a year Mm -hmm. ago even there's so many things i am very proud of that they wouldn't have seen and because i just don't even think to repost or i'm just like not concerned about stuff i've already done and i'm like oh look at this new thing then they'll never they'll literally never see it and like exactly. the bullet, and like you saying you've never seen the bullet thing. I'm like, damn, I should post that again. But it's I don't know. I yeah, it's it's something worth thinking about for sure. I do not do a lot of reposting, not because I think it's bad at all. It's just like I'm always working on so many things that I'm more inclined to be like, look at this new thing. But um, yeah, it would be yeah, because it's so hard. It's so easy to forget all the shit you've ever worked on in your life versus the thing that you're working on tomorrow. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's just how our brains work. So it's totally fucking normal. But it's definitely gonna be like a game and everyone listening please fucking i mean there's other apps there's buffer i personally didn't like buffer very much so i switched to later and then like i don't even know if hootsuite is hootsuite still a thing that was like one of the first social media schedulers Hmm, back when i was a social media marketer and it sucked i hated it um but yeah later's pretty great um they auto post for you it's good there's a couple glitches though 
a couple little glitches. So I will be co- I contact customer support about like if you hit auto post, let's say you're planning a week out, you hit auto post and you decide, you know what, I want this one here and this one there because you can set up preview and just move your images mm-hmm. to where you want them. It'll turn off your auto post. Weird. So it's like if I didn't wake up at five in the morning, I now saw the notification at like 11. Let's be honest. I sleep in when I can. Yeah. And then I just missed my peak in- engagement time. Hmm. So it's like, God damn it. Um, but to, that's just like a little, like, that's the only thing I've ever noticed with it, but there's lots of really good benefits. Nice. Okay, cool. All right. So I know marketing, talking about the lettering world, Instagram strategy. Okay. So I feel like I've, I have all these questions and I feel like we've answered so many of them. So let's talk about success. Are you ready? (laughs) All right. What projects or like products? Actually, fuck it. I, all I care about is products. I honestly don't care about the client work because <laughs> I just want to buy. I just want to like wear all of your clothes. You look like such a fucking badass woman. I just want to be your friend. So oh my it's god, like, be friends. Let's. Oh my god. Okay, we're officially friends. It happened. Yeah, you you guys finally. are here to witness that. Yes, finally, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna hug it out virtually. Pat pat. Um. So, what products have been the most successful for you? Um. So you would be sad to know how little effort I've put into uh, <laughs> like mm, being thoughtful about marketing the products and knowing that information. But but um, I know that my first product, the Tough Little Self-Employed Bitches patch, mm. is still one of the things that sells the most. But it's also the thing that's always at the top of my shop. It's always like in the first row of products. And I have a lot of products. Now that I started to make prints, it's like... There's always, like, 50 things on my shop page, which I realize there are definitely, like, negatives to that yeah. as well, mm-hmm. but that's a whole other animal that I'm going to the, the, the illusion of choice, yeah. Yeah, it's like, why don't I just have, like, nine products? Um, but that wouldn't be me. So, yeah, there's uh, always a lot of people interested in that patch, and it's the one that I think people are inclined to share the, the most, even if they just have the sticker, like, on their laptop and stuff, because mm-hmm. it's a very specific, like... I have uh, this sense of, like, pride in my ability to figure my shit out and, like, I'm tough and I'm, like, keeping this business afloat on my own or, like, my freelance thing or whatever it is. It's got, like, a very specific but enthusiastic following still. And that was my first product. Um, And it kind of, like, set the tone for a lot of the other things that I, like, dabble in, including Girls at the Front. Like, there's a lot of, like, overlapping um, of ideas in the products that I'm choosing to make. But um, I'd say Mm -hmm. that's still one of the most successful ones. And then um, Girls to the Front, obviously, because I've put it on every possible thing. But <laughs> it's it's been... Um, it's like I made it popular. <laughs> it's, it's been, like, definitely fun to, um, to have made it however many years ago that I did because it's taken on so many different meanings, especially, like, when Hillary was running or, like, when women... Uh, like, I, I can't remember her name, but, like, that woman who took over as... Um, the CEO of CBS or stuff like that, where it's like people, Mm -hmm. women that are stepping forward into leadership positions. There's a lot of that stuff and like kind of girls to the front being um, a a sentiment that definitely applies to those kinds of things or like a lot of women deciding um, to run uh, for office and that applies and women in like girl fronted bands, which is, obviously like the original inspiration but like a lot of those young you know girls like starting to do their own thing um musically or like into it being on the back of their jacket so that's it's been a fun thing to like watch um 
take on new meanings for people um, and just exist in the world in so many different applications that like people feel strongly about. Um, what else? I, I made, uh, well, yeah, I guess. Th so those are definitely the most like successful consistently, but um, there've been some like prints that I did limited edition runs for that. Like people are still excited about sharing when they um, like have them in their little gallery wall. And I made, a new holographic foil print of my stained glass design and I'm excited because mm -hmm. I shipped them uh shipped the initial batch yesterday um people were really really excited about those pretty much immediately so that's fun yeah nice I think I think one thing that all of your uh most popular pieces have in common is they trigger impulse buy yeah that's not my intention but it's cool I because mean, either you get either you like it or you don't and then, exactly yeah. it's a gut reaction and that's how i feel like when i meet people for the first time like either you really like me or you really don't, I don't like yeah. i just rub you mm, you haven't seen me at a networking event it happens <laughs> people ice me fucking cold all the time <laughs> like uh i have this move that i do i've talked about this before but like uh if i feel really uncomfortable because i i am miss queen fucking businesswoman in the in the confines of my own studio the second i leave my like i don't have like my security blanket yeah. so i get really fucking awkward and i actually do uh suffer from a couple different kinds of mental illness and anxieties and all the fun stuff that yeah. made my brain broken um so when i go out in public i have this thing that i do so i'll find like the biggest group of people because i'm like if i'm gonna get rejected i want it over with so I'm yeah. going to do it for the biggest amount of people that are hanging out that are in a crew and they'll all be laughing or telling a joke and then I'll go, I'll just jump in and be like, ha ha, right? <laughs> like I knew, like I was there the whole time yeah. and either one of two things will happen. One, who are you? <laughs> like, why do you think like leave immediately? Cause like that, that's my flavor of weird or two, you think that's fucking hilarious and, you, and you're like, Oh, who are you? That was good. And then that's how I knew I found my people. Yeah. So I rather, so I, I like to think of that same mentality when it comes to products, it's all about, does it, mean something to that specific audience member it doesn't ha not everyone has to fucking like you <laughs> even though we all want to be liked it's just a certain segment of the population that's it doesn't even have to be a big segment just enough to make a living yeah you know what i mean so if i see something that you make that i completely 100 percent relate to it i'm gonna fucking add that shit to cart immediately yeah you know what I mean? Or if I'm broke as fuck, I'm going to fucking, it's going to be in my cart forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to wait for that sale whenever the fuck you decide I, I deem worthy for 20% off or some shit like that and then immediately buy it. Guaranteed, you have, I don't know if you, if you looked at your abandoned carts. Oh, yeah. Like my if, friend yells at me about it all the time. He's like all into like SEO like stuff. And he's like, if you would just like send one email to people with abandoned carts, like you you could be making like however many more thousand dollars a month. I'm like, I'm not going to send people that email. I hate when I get oh, those emails. Oh, you know, actually. OK, so what what uh, what do you use Squarespace by chance? Yeah. OK, so it's really easy to set that up in your you go to like uh, business settings, e-commerce, and then it's uh, in promotional marketing or something like that. And you just send this email. And what you, what I did, because I thought it was really weird. I go, uh, a so the subject line is like, a bribe is waiting for you if you deem me worthy or something like that. And it goes, so this is a little bit creepy, but also awesome. My computer recognized <laughs> that you left your cart and that made me honestly depressed. So I'm going to give you this 20% off coupon code just in case you want to add it to cart. Um, I would love to have this, you know, this piece of work in your home or something like that. Oh, that's cool. And it works pretty often as long as you call out that it's weird mm -hmm. like like what do you mean you knew that I left it in my car are you watching me like well, yeah it's a bit awkward that's a yeah that's a good point I I have had that happen before on like 
Black Friday when like I get all excited about like buying a new piece of luggage to bring to events mm-hmm. or like things where I'm like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to get a new winter coat. But then I don't do any of them because I like either I forgot or I just decided like it's not, I don't need it. Um, those are definitely <laughs> like eras when I get a bunch of those emails. So I guess it's like a time <laughs> when I feel like people are, people understand that that's how it works. Like that yeah. that's, I feel like we are definitely in a time where people wouldn't be like, that's creepy that you knew that. It's like you personally <laughs> know that. Like, no, it's not me personally. This is information. It- some people are smart and they know that functionality exists, so they just always add things to their cart and they just wait 24 hours. Yeah. For that coupon code. So I bet you a bunch of people just went to lettershop.com and put shit in their cart and they're going to wait a day for them to get a 20% coupon. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's tw- it's 20 bribe, okay? Just fucking don't waste my time with your abandoned carts, yeah. okay? I'm bribing with 20%. There you go. There's your coupon code. God damn it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you had to describe, let's talk a little bit more about demographic and then we'll wrap up, but... So if you had to describe your ideal demographic, who would those people be? Um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about I'll ask you questions about your demographic and you answer them. Does okay. that sound easier? Mm-hmm. Okay. How old, are your, how old is your demographic? Um, I'd say between like 20 and 35. Okay, cool. So you're in your own demographic. That's good. Okay. Are they mostly women or men? Um, mostly women, for sure. Mostly women. Yeah, I knew that answer, but I just still answered it. Um, where are they located? Is it mostly in the United States, UK? Mostly the U.S. Mm-hmm. Are these people who are living in small towns or in big cities? Probably big cities. But at the same time, like, the people who are the most enthusiastic about, like, finding the thing that's like, oh, my God, this is me, are possibly in parts of the country that like they are not constantly surrounded by like reinforcements of the ideas that like I'm not mm-hmm. alone I have yeah, yeah. so that could so that's be. really impo- that's that's really important to know too um and you said the majority of your audience is in Chicago right I'm pretty sure yeah is that have you looked at your analytics anytime soon to see uh, like if that's true or not um on be, Instagram yeah on Instagram it's definitely true on okay. online on my like store and people going to my site I don't think it's as true um, because I feel like, well, I don't know, maybe it still is, but, um, mm-hmm. definitely on Instagram. Okay. And then what were those three subjects that you like to discuss most in your work? The topics? Intersectional feminism, environmental sustainability, and racial equality, but there's always other stuff. Too. There's other stuff, <laughs> of course. Now, so that's your key demographic. So that's literally like your strategy for what kind of content you need to make in order to attract those people. All you have to do now is just create a consistent content strategy <laughs> that they'll like, that they'll double tap. And I think like the most, like the easiest way for any of us to grow is when people share our work. And when it's relatable, they share it. Especially, thank God, Instagram came up with that share to stories feature. Mm-hmm. Fucking every other social media platform has retweet, has share, right? Has embedded YouTube videos. There's a way to fucking share everything. But Instagram didn't have that for so long. For a while, yeah. And now that we have shared, now we can share the stories, that's when I really notice like an uptick in followers because, you know, I have my past joints, not judgment illustration. That is by far my most popular illustration ever to the point where people are telling me like, oh, I was using that as my Tinder profile picture <laughs> and I didn't know who made it until this week. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's <laughs> like, I, like, that's fun. Thanks guys for that little piece of information. Did you get laid? Did it work? <laughs> like, <laughs> Love to know. So, right. So it's like, okay, so Again, when you're trying to figure out who your audience is, just figure out what part of yourself are you comfortable sharing? What topics are important to you? 
And if, you know, you want to make sure that you're going for a demographic that you are, like, don't go for people who are way older than you because you don't know how to talk to those people. You're not that person. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to find your demographic as an artist than you think. It's just, you got to write it down. You got to just, those same questions I just asked her, ask yourself and then just start making work to attract those people. It's really as easy as that. I mean, there's lots of other marketing tidbits like fucking like hashtag strategies and how to do a good landing page and SEO and newsletters and all that good stuff. But this is the, all you really need to start building a following. So that way, by the time you want to do client work or you want to offer products, you already have an audience built in who wants to give you money for it. Totally. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap this up with one. Well, two more questions. Second to last, what piece of advice would you give new illustrators just starting out that are trying to find their niche audience? Um, that is a tricky one. Um, I would say don't try and find your aesthetic and your voice and your approach by looking at what's already working successfully for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you can figure out and channel what it is that you're genuinely drawn to and what you care about and you develop a style and like approach to your work that's based on that, it'll be sustainable like for as long as you want to make that work because you will be able to work. It's, it's something that's just coming from a totally um, real place and not forced because of what you saw already working for someone else. And I feel like even if it doesn't happen immediately, um, people, will start to realize if something isn't coming from a genuine place and you'll lose people's mm -hmm. interest um, eventually, you know? And so if you can, if you can figure out what that is for you, what that you, that you love and you're drawn to, and you can kind of tap into that at any moment, um, that's the most sustainable approach to have. So um, it's not easy. And I feel like it involves a lot of list making and <laughs> um, trying to like, cast a wide net and then figure it all out. But that's definitely what I did with uh, Bitchcraft because before, before launching my business, I was working in so many different styles and like Jenna Blazevich was hired to do so many different things. And I needed that at the time because it helped me develop um, a better like design skills and it helped me pay for my student loans. But when I started Bitchcraft, I wanted to be like, okay, these are the five like keywords that represent what bitchcraft is and if a project doesn't fit within those words in that kind of uh very specific little bucket then like it doesn't get shown and that's going to be what keeps everything uniform so exactly yeah it's really just like keep experimenting until you find your thing yeah and you're not to share all of it i mean if it helps no. you you can yeah. but if if you can make that work and like do those experiments outside of what you're using as your like freelance or business platform of choice, like Instagram or whatever it is, then you will be an easier, uh, I think, person to understand what, what it is that you want to do more of if you're, if you're limiting what you're showing to just the things that like you think represent that best. Totally. 100% agree. And just to add on top of that, I think it's so important to like, just be con like, I'm going to keep saying this consistency. So like figure out what three topics are really important to you and who like think about, is it, what is it gender neutral? Is it for men or women? Where are they located? If you are bilingual, fucking use that shit. You can double your audience overnight. Um, and just be consistent 30 days, one month. I want you creating new pieces of work and, and just think about how many pieces can you realistically make a week? Maybe it's one, maybe it's two. Okay. 
make sure that whatever those phrases are, if you're a hand lettering artist, or if you're an illustrator, have more meaning than just it looks good. Yeah. Right? So that way it, you can get people sharing it because that's the call to action. Share it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for people to comment or tag or any of that good stuff. Sometimes people... In my experience, people don't know what to do unless you tell them what to do. And sometimes you actually can prompt more shares just by asking for them. So think about, okay, so two pieces a week. I want you sharing the process. I want you sharing the static image because that's the one that's going to get shared. I want you to add a picture of yourself and I want you to add a repost. And then right there, you just like quadrupled your content. And then do that for a month straight. Look at your data. You're going to want to update to a business profile, no matter what kind of social media strategy or platform you're using. And just look at what worked and what didn't and keep doing what worked. It's really as easy as that. And also the 30 days is going to give you time to figure out whether or not you even enjoy doing that in the first place. So if it doesn't feel right, you can always just switch the next month. Your style's going to change just like you are going to change. It's a part of the process. You're going to fail, fail faster. So that way you can figure out what's your thing. What's your style. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. All right. Cool, guys. All right. Before we leave, it sounds like you're moving. Did the, did the bird get out? Um, I, I, was, I, was going to, I was going to ask if you wanted to hear my birds. If I was Yes, I would love it. to hear your birds. But birds are very on brand for her, guys. Just they're adorable. They're like teal right one of them is yeah like a turquoise green and then the other one's kind of like a more of like a hot green and what they're parakeets what are they one of them is a green cheek uh turquoise conure and the other one is a hans mini macaw so he's a nice. little bit bigger yeah i totally belittled your birds by calling them parakeets i'm so sorry no parakeets, <laughs> parakeets are a kind of parrot and i also i think that conures are kind of like i think that they are a kind of parakeet it's a little, there's a lot of confusing crossover with <laughs> tropical parrots and um having them as roommates but yeah yeah i can try to get one of them to say hello but i also didn't want to uh interrupt me it's interrupt. fine <laughs> it's like would you guys like some marketing information and some songbirds at the same <laughs> they time? might not say anything i don't know it's just right. could be like a fun sign off if they would at least say something but i they also could squawk because they haven't necessarily heard me in a while because i was in another <laughs> room so that's kind of scary I'm down to try it. Let's do it. Oh, they're kind of taking a nap. Hey. Wake up, little songbirds, and sing us a song. He's just looking at me. He's not going to say anything. <laughs> but we try. I don't know. He, All right. He usually says, Maybe next time. <laughs> he usually says, hi, sweetie. And Aww. Um, yeah, he's got a, like, a lot of choice words, but most of them are just greetings and Salutations. Sounds pretty cute. I mean, hey, if you guys want to hear this behind the scenes bird fucking calls, you're going to have to follow her at Bitchcraft to be able to see those. Uh, she talks about them all the time in her stories. They're like in every process picture. They're always like chilled on her desk or on her computer. They're around. She's drawing. They, yes. They I get love around. That. Yeah. They're definitely in my, in my story highlights because it's been pretty much everything that I've shared on stories. Yeah. No, I have a I have a cute as fuck story highlight that's just my dogs. Yeah. I'm proud to represent my Australian Shepherds. They're too cute not to share. Yeah, we just need to look at them. Yeah, just look at them. <laughs> um, all right, before we leave, is there anything cool coming up for you that we can help promote? Um I don't know. So I I I would say <laughs> I'm um I, I mean I, I I wanted to think ahead about that a little bit. I'm I'm putting together a couple of like mini um tours almost where I'm going to go to cool. some cities that I've never been to and um, bring my chain stitch machine and do some um, collaborative events with other um, uh, businesses and like show up and do 
um, some live chain stitching, but also maybe like while I'm in those cities, do a little workshop. Um, so that's fun. But I also am still gonna try and focus on my the stained glass piece that I made in January and try to. Yeah, that thing was sick. Thank you. I just I'm not really sure what to do next with it, and that would be the thing that I would. Um, encourage people to if they have any ideas to to reach out i guess because the thing that made the most sense to me immediately was to make a print of the design and that's something that has already happened but um it's conceptual work that i want people to be able to see and not just like digitally and um it's a little it's unrealistic to like take it on a a little journey to like a, a gallery in another city or something but it's not impossible and i i don't even know i'm not sure like how it works to have something like that be featured in like the kind of art blogs that um, focus on conceptual work like that. But it's something that I'm trying to keep at the forefront of my brain in case an idea comes yeah. up. I'm like, oh, it should go in that building or it should. I mean, if you did like a just two more, I think it'd be really cool if they were all themed. Cause so just to paint a picture for you guys, if you haven't seen this piece, it's like this three panels. This is Immaculate contraception <laughs> which is you know definitely a play on words for anyone who's been never been to a church or you know grew up with religion in their lives so that would be really interesting statement pieces as a series and i for sure see it being used in fucking design blogs for sure because it's such a rebellious phrase especially how it's being presented as well so definitely i i'm excited if i can come up with anything i'll fucking i'll dm you and guys help us out make more pieces more stained glass yeah it's something i i would love to be able to like justify making more of the work but i need to even come up with like a singular idea of where they could go before i like start making more because otherwise i'm just gonna be like surrounded by stained glass with no intention of like getting rid of them so <laughs> well you could do it just them. for like um different art exhibits i bet you i mean how much would you sell one of these things i for? don't know because like, it took so long so i really like, don't know it's got to be like i don't know like 50 grand could you do you think you could sell it for 50 grand I think that that's the number that I was just like yeah if it were that I could I could let go of it because it's like it's a combination of the time that it took to make it obviously the yeah. materials the concept which is hard to like find a price for that but like it's it's an idea that like has value um for sure and it would be such a beautiful installation in someone's home my god cool. so fucking cool all right guys you heard her if anyone can help the sister out if you know art buyers, if you are in the fucking fine art world, maybe we can get her a show because she's she definitely has a shit ton of work, and I mean like a high end show, not some like bullshit coffee house. Not that that isn't a value, <laughs> but I don't think any one of the patrons are gonna have fifty grand in their pocket. True, I need to go somewhere where those people are perusing art, and I don't <laughs> exactly. know where that is. But and let they me think know. that's a fucking steal. Yeah. you know what I mean. Um, I think that'd be really cool. All right, so where can we follow you? Where can we stalk you? So, Bitchcraft is my handle everywhere um, on Instagram and Twitter. Those are, I don't really tweet very much, but I <laughs> go on Twitter for birds and memes. So, you may find me there, I guess. But uh, mostly, mm-hmm. Instagram is where I'm able to consistently um, post and like stay part of other people's conversations. And then my website is just bitchcraft.com, which I'm trying to do better with an email list. Um, <laughs> but that's. That's some next level stuff. I'm getting yeah, organized. For sure. Yeah. Well, once we get off this call, I mean, once we stop recording, I'll give you some tips. Amazing. Okay. That no one else will hear. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Maybe true. on a future That's podcast true. episode. <laughs> um, just so you guys know, it's Vichcraft, V-I-C-H, craft. It's not V-I-T-C-H. Yes, I, thank you for that. I fucking always misspell it. 
every time because I'm like, oh, it's like a witch. Yeah. Every fucking time. I hate it. It's the same thing. With, I'm sure people get frustrated with letter shop. Like, oh, it's two P's and an E. Two P's. Sorry. Yeah. All the other things we're taking, guys. We do what we can. Yeah. All right? So fuck off. It's a shoppy. <laughs> Stop complaining. And don't, don't say shoppy. I hate that. It's not shoppy. It's, it's not, not shoppy. shoppy. It makes I think it too cute. Like, I think that was like a Gilmore Girls thing. There was like an episode where there's a shop with an E and someone's like, why is it shoppy? <laughs> like, it's not. <laughs> I don't. Actually, should probably learn more about that. Actually, it's something. Oh, did you hear that? You made a sound. I heard it. It he's, happened. He's laughing. He's uh, imitating my laugh, which is creepy and also really cute. <laughs> what are you saying, bud? He's out. He's out and about. <laughs> I wish you could see, but uh, he's like, ah. yeah. You check him so out on my Instagram stories. There's, I love you. There's plenty of talking happening in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Definitely be sure to rate us on um, Apple Podcasts because we haven't gotten many reviews, especially since the season is our first season being audio only. So definitely give us a, some support. And when you hear this episode, be sure to share your favorite 15 second clip in Instagram stories and be sure to tag uh, both Women of Illustration and Vitchcraft. And hey, let her shop if you're feeling extra generous. Thank you guys so much for listening. Keep fucking making amazing art and get paid. Talk to you guys soon. Bye, guys. Bye.